Uh, well, before I, I get started, I lost a bet. Um, so, uh, and it's a bet that I thought I was going to lose, but uh, we did a, a youth ministry event that started at In-N-Out on Friday night, and I mentioned to Simon that when I was in college, I had once eaten an 8 by 8 uh, which is eight patties with eight slices of cheese, which you can order uh, in and out. And Simon said, I-, I could do that. And I thought he probably could, but he did. So here is uh, some pictures of him. Um, so see, he's, he's, our, he's our slide guy. So Simon, uh, congratulations on that. There's a little bit. And then the in and out guy was very excited also. He, so it was uh, even... Even he was, was impressed, and so uh, I said, Simon, I'll mention it in the sermon. He said, that'll be perfect. That'll be my Mother's Day present. So uh, hopefully, hopefully you got a card also, but uh, congratulations on joining a very, very immortal group of finishing the 8x8. Eight eight. Uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing. And what's most impressive is after that, we went over to play dodgeball, and I had never been to this before, but if you don't know Perry, Perry in our church, he goes to play dodgeball. It's actually really fun on Friday nights at Verdugo Park from 6.30 to 9.30. They just play dodgeball, and I thought it would be a fun event for the kids to go to, and unfortunately, it was way intense. Like, you showed up, and it was it looked literally like the movie Dodgeball, like some of those teams, like these jacked-up people. Um, playing, and uh, Simon and I played, Simon on a full stomach, eight, eight went out and played, and I wish I could do that, like, I'm not able to do that anymore, Uh, but yeah, we ended up having fun, I have a video, I didn't put this on there, but video of him playing, and Alex played around too. It was it was uh, very intense, but you guys are welcome to come try that out sometime. It's it's a it's a good experience. So congratulations uh, to Simon. Uh, so I'll uh, transfer to mothers from that point. I want to spend uh, some time just saying thank you to to our moms, the moms who are, are part part of our congregation, and. Uh, part of that at the end of my sermon today, I'm just going to open it up, and I'd love for you to just be thinking about what's a way that uh, your mom showed you selfless love? And that doesn't have to be that um, she's here today. And uh, as Eric mentioned, our moms are not perfect, but I do believe that they have showed us selfless love in all kinds of ways. So just be thinking about that. I'm just going to have, have a mic, and I'll come uh, to you at, at your seat. But think about how you might communicate the way that your mom showed you selfless love. And I know for us, uh, we come at this from different angles. Some of us had really great moms. Maybe you had a, a bad experience with, with your mom, and maybe you are hoping to be a mom one day, but you're not yet, and you're wondering if that's God's plan for you. And so wherever you are on the spectrum, we're, we're so welcome here, but we also want to be thankful to the moms in our congregation and the ways that our moms have uh, showed us the example of Christ. And I think it's important uh, to do that and to sometimes just really uh, communicate uh, love to some moms because Especially right now, I think it might be harder than ever uh, to, to be a mom. There's just a lot of pressure, it seems, and it seems like every decision that you make, whenever your kid has a sniffle, you Google it, and one website says they might be dying, go to ER immediately, and then the other website says, just chill, it's all right, and you're very confused. You'd think this information would be helpful, but almost it's overbearing. And it's not only the amount of information, it's also uh, social media. I ran across a blog, and this blog said, said this about what it is to be a mom in today's day and age. The Pinteresty, which is a great word, uh, world we now live in. We look at all these pictures of people who have perfectly decorated homes where it seems like every mom is able to bake the perfect Paw Patrol cake that somehow tastes amazing with no sugar, uh, with pictures on Facebook about children who are always perfectly dressed and way ahead of all the developmental milestones. It puts a lot of pressure 
on our mothers. It might be harder than ever uh, to be a mom in today's day and age. I often on Mondays, I watch our kids and I took Carter uh, to the park one day and I heard these two moms having a conversation and this one said, uh, well, where is your child going to go to preschool? And the other mom replied and I didn't know what preschool, I didn't know anything about the preschool that she said. And the mom who had asked the previous question made this very judgy noise like, hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is a Hopefully you're not like that all the time, but uh, there's very surprised. Like, I think there's this, this pressure that is sometimes put uh, on our parents and uh, especially, I think, sometimes on, on our mothers. And I know that being a mom is something that you probably feel like you fail at sometimes, if not often. You're trying your best and you lose your patience. Uh, you're trying your hardest and uh, you're trying to be an example of um, love and support, but it can be a very difficult job. And you can wonder, you know, am I doing a good job? How am I doing uh, in this role? And as Eric mentioned, I think that Philippians 2 is a place where uh, we find uh, a good picture of what it means to be in really Christian relationships in general. But I want us to think about the ways that we have seen selflessness um, through our moms. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. There's a couple important terms there. First is selfish ambition, and that's actually a military term that uh, would have been used to describe somebody who was basically hired as a mercenary. Like, say there's a battle going on, and uh, you got recruited. You're not really on this team, but you're a really good warrior, and so we're going to pay you a certain amount to go out and go out into the battlefield and, and do that thing uh, for us. So there's that, that first understanding. And then the other one is, is vain conceit. So don't do things for emptiness. And if we're honest, I think a lot of what we can end up living for, if we're not careful, is just empty stuff. You know, we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to move in the right direction, but it's easy to move in the wrong one and have the, the, the wrong motives. So Paul's saying to this group of people, uh, be very careful. What is it that's truly motivating you? Like, what are you really living for? If Paul was writing today, he might say when he's talking about this stuff of like vain glory, like don't be on reality TV shows. That's not really the best way uh, for you uh, to live. Do nothing out of this ambition that, that comes probably from not a good place. Like what is it that, that you're truly living for? And then secondly, like value others. Learn to put the interests of others in front of your own. And Paul, I think, is saying this, not because like it's this lofty idea and it's a really good principle. I think Paul is saying this because this is the best way to live. It's best to live for other people, and like studies have shown this, that it is most healthy when you're involved in other people's lives where you're sacrificing for other people, where you're living for more than just yourself. It goes to actually like real health benefits. Paul, I think, is saying this is the best way to live. And I think one of the ways that we see that in our world, possibly more than any, is motherhood. I was with Carter and, and Nora in the grocery store yesterday, and I was wheeling Nora uh, in, in a grocery cart in her, in her car seat, and uh, this, this woman stops me, and, and she just starts to smile at Nora. And I'll just say, based on my own anecdotal experience, 95% of the time when I'm stopped, it's a woman. 
There is the 5% that it's the man, but it's pretty rare. Like 95%, uh, it's, it's, it's a woman who, who stops me and uh, says, oh, let me, let me look at her. Let me take a look. And uh, it, it's just really moving to see a mom look at a little baby. And uh, she, she just said, oh, let me, let me look at her. And, and she said, like, oh, I want to take her. <laughs> and she was 100% serious. And I think she was at least 80 years old. And I'll have moms say that, like, consistently. I mean, oh, I just, I, I want to take her. And it's, it, it's so fascinating to me because, I don't know, as, as, a, as a dad, I think sometimes you might look back, and obviously you do look back, and that was some really hard times during your, your life, and there's a lot of hard stuff that maybe you've, you've forgotten over the years. But it's fascinating to see that most of the people that talk to me about my kids are women, and then they generally talk in this way, like, oh, it's that experience when my, my little, little boy or little girl was tiny, it was, it was so moving and impactful that I miss it. And I think it shows that there's just something about, even though it, it's hard and raising kids is hard, and then if you got back into that season, you'd be like, oh, I want to get out of it. But it's hard. It's, a lot, it's a, lot of, a lot of work, and it's a lot of giving yourself away and giving of your time. But at the same point, it's beautiful. I think Paul is writing here, this is the best way to live. It's not just like a good idea or something that you should probably do, and this isn't just for moms. It's just this is the best way to live. And it's interesting to think about the, the context that Paul uh, is writing this in, because this chapter, Philippians 2, starts with this therefore. And we often can just read the Bible, and sometimes we'll sit down and, and read a chapter, and we don't think about that this chapter connects to that chapter. So he said, like, all this stuff before this, and especially when you see a word like therefore, it's extremely helpful to say, I probably should go back and read the previous at least few sentences. And Paul is opening up, and he's writing to this church. Paul is likely in prison as he's writing this in Philippi. There's debate about whether he's eventually maybe going to be put to death. It's unclear exactly what his context is, but he is in prison, and he's writing to this group of people, and he's saying basically, like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with my life. And being pretty honest with the community that he's writing to in Philippi, he's saying, you don't really know either, because there's a lot of persecution going on, there's some difficulty, there's some things that you're facing, and it's going to be hard, and there's things that you don't, I, I really don't even necessarily want to confront exactly what might happen to you. That's kind of how he opens in Philippians. There's this hard stuff that's going on. Therefore, and then he launches into this conversation. Basically saying, don't hold too tightly to your own life. Like, therefore, don't cling to everything, and the way that he is, uses the, the Christ hymn is beautiful. The way uh, that it, it, it's described in Philippians, 5 through, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it's basically like Christ didn't live to his own advantage trying to grab everything and clench everything. Instead, he lived with open hands. May we strive to live the same way. And if I'm writing to this group of people I think I take a totally different direction. I would say, hey, you know, your life might be on the line. Um, therefore, here's how not to die, right? <laughs> Here are some steps you might want to take. Keep it low key. 
be careful in the marketplace. Don't let anybody know that you're a Christian. You know, watch out. Be, you know, try to evangelize, but keep it on the low a little bit. Be really careful. Make sure it's people that know you really well. I have a book in my office uh, that, that someone gave me called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Uh, it has a lot of different, like, bad scenarios that can happen. Here's, here's just an example of one of them, the things that, that can go on. Like, what happens if, you, if you're in a, an attack of an alligator? And it gives you all these weird scenarios and all this stuff. Someone gave it to me as I was getting into ministry. Unfortunately, it doesn't say anything about angry church people. But, um, <laughs> but if I'm Paul, I think I, I say something like that. Like, all right, you're in this difficult circumstance and it might cost you your life and there's this stuff that's hanging in the balance. Okay, therefore, here's how you're going to survive. And Paul's part of after the therefore is basically just don't cling so tightly. Instead, strive to continually give yourself away. Understand that other people are more important. Don't try to sit at the the highest seat. Don't try to put other people um, down. Instead, just live for other people. No Christian that's struggling and wondering if this is worth giving your life to, that you are part of a much bigger story. And that's really the entire story of Scripture from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So there's this understanding there, there's God, and then the, the Spirit is over the waters. And then God's speaking, and things start to happen. Eventually, John is going to say that Jesus is the Word, the incarnate Word of God. So from the very start of Scripture, people argue that there's this concept that God is, is one, but also three, that God is this, this communal force. And this concept continues and obviously is illustrated uh, in the life of Jesus that God is not just God's self, that God, even on God's own, is relationship. And we are, are drawn into community And what's fascinating is when God creates Adam, before sin enters the world, there's a problem. That Adam's alone. That Adam doesn't have relationship. And Adam circles through and cycles through all the animals and none of them are quite right. And then God creates woman. We, in our very nature, are meant for community, we're wired for relationship. And this is what the story of Scripture says from the very beginning, that we are, are wired for relationship, but it's not just that. Jesus, in his ministry, says this, John 8, verses 38 through 40, For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he's given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And this is a consistent theme in Jesus' ministry. I've come down, and I'm not doing my will, but the will of my Father. He actually prays right as he's about to die, as he has this really difficult prayer with God. God, if there's any other way, let's do it, but I'll submit to your will. I'm going to let my will go down so that you might be raised up. 
And this is consistently happening throughout the ministry of Jesus. He's saying, no, I am here and I'm going to try to do this stuff and I'm going to be dedicated in this certain way, but I am going to try to honor my father. I'm going to live in such a way that I would honor God. And then when Jesus later is gathered with his disciples, he says, just FYI, you don't fully understand this. You're not going to get this yet, but I need to leave so that someone greater, something greater, this force, the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit is coming, and that's going to be even better for you. So I'm going to lay down my life so this spirit can come. And you see this, that it's not just that there's this community between God, the spirit, and Jesus, but they're also laying down their lives for each other. It's this constant cycle of self-sacrificing love. And when Jesus is baptized, God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They're constantly looking to put each other up, to submit themselves so that others might be raised up. It's not just that the world that we understand it as, that God behind the world is communal. It's that God and the Spirit and Jesus are also self-sacrificing. It's selfless and emptying. What Paul, I think, is communicating, again, is something that is throughout Scripture. That maybe the best way to live is to learn to give your life away. To strive to reach out to other people. To show that they have the image of God. And you can live your life for empty things. And it's so easy if you're not careful to just get tuned in to the wrong wavelength and to strive to spend maybe years of your life emptying, trying to, to get the wrong stuff and seeking for something that ultimately is empty. But Paul encourages us to have a different mindset, to instead learn about the sacrificial love of Christ. I think that's something that if, if you have been a parent. It's something that we are blessed uh, to learn. And it's something, of course, that you can learn at any stage of life and at any point. But as a parent, I know how much it can be difficult. With our second kid born in in November, uh, it feels like both of us are going like 110% all the time. And just a a few weeks ago, my friend checked in and said, how how are you guys doing? and uh, I said, it's just a little crazy. And I told him that this story. I said, yeah, it's just a lot of work. Just recently, I had been cleaning the house for about two hours and doing some, some laundry and doing the dishes. And I sat down after two hours just thinking, like, I'm a household hero right now. Like, this is it's one of those days. I don't always have them, but, you know, it's just one of those, one of those days where I was just, just working for, for two hours and almost to the point that I expect Manny to go, like, great job, Brian. You know, it was one of those, like, I'd been really working for, for a long time, and I looked over, and she was feeding Nora, which is the trump card, right? I mean, it's just like a, she was working hard, too. She was, she was doing, doing her part, and that's one thing that I think we, we've noticed as, as parents of two. I mean, it feels like you're doing that all the time, it, it, even with one kid, but especially with two. It just feels like you're just, you're just working hard all the time, and so I communicated that to my friend. It just feels like we're both going 110% all the time, and I got this text message back about having two kids. So much thankless work. <laughs> and it's true. 
And I remember as, as a child, I thought I was the one working hard, but uh, as you're on the other end of it, uh, you realize how much your parents are constantly sacrificing in the way that they are, are pouring themselves out uh, in selfless love. And I think the reason that kids are a challenge but also a blessing to us is because we see the power of selfless love in the world. And again, that's the very start of the story of Scripture, that there's somehow this communion with God in this mysterious way. And that communion isn't just that they, you know, hang out together. It's that they sacrifice for each other. Is that they're constantly looking. Jesus is on the lookout. How can I say a good word about the Holy Spirit? God's like, how can I lift up my son? How might I lay down some of my desires, some of the things that I might prefer so that this other part of of God's work in the world can be glorified? And Paul echoes this. And he says, you know, I'm in prison myself, FYI, and it's going to be difficult for me to hold on to this myself because I really like my life. I like to breathe. I like to be here. But even though you might be facing some persecution as well, therefore, the best way to live is to give your life away. So I wanted to spend a moment, as I mentioned, just thinking, how has your mom showed you selfless love? So if anybody has something to share, I know that can be intimidating. But if you have anything and your mom does not need to be present uh, in the room, you can come down or uh, I can come find you. But here comes a willing volunteer. Thank you. I did not not set him up either. So it's perfect timing because I don't think my mom is in the room. So (laughs) she is awesome. (laughs) Oh, she is. Touche. Never mind. All right. (laughs) Um, But I, I remember when I was really young, I was really into Lion King and uh, most favorite characters are Simba and Mufasa, but mine was Rafiki because he's Rafiki. Um, and I wanted a, a Rafiki stick so bad. And they didn't sell anything like that anywhere. And so my mom actually found like a perfect bamboo stick and some hollowed out gourds. And, and she put it together and made me a Rafiki stick. And I loved this Rafiki stick. But um, but I just I just remember like the the feeling of my mom made something for me and that's what made it so special is because like she just at any time I was like hey I, 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 this is really cool I want this it's she'd go out of her way to to go above and beyond and so awesome thank you Kevin. Hi. Uh, my mom's not here today, but like last year I had a choir competition and I woke up late and we were supposed to arrive hair and makeup done. So I was really late and I actually missed the bus. We were going to San Diego from Burbank area and um, <laughs> she actually got in the car with my grandma and she drove me all the way there only to miss 
my choir singing. So I didn't get to perform. But she actually drove me from Burbank to San Diego over something like, and it's not, it wasn't even an important, it wasn't a competition. It was just a performance, like a warm up, you know? And, um, yeah, and then she went out and she bought me steak because I was really upset over missing it. And then we drove back home, and I don't know, I was just really grateful for that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I think of selfless love. I think of my mom. She threw a, p- a paper route for a really long time while we were little so she could be home in the day. So that meant she was up from like 2 to 6 in the morning. And then like on Saturday, she would drive straight to my soccer games um, or my brother's band competition or my other sister's soccer games or whatever. For many years, she drove a, she did the paper route and then would come home and find out if she was substitute teaching that day and then substitute teach all day um, until she start, got her credential. So I, that's what I think of, just um, not knowing how she did that for that long with four kids and uh, going on about two to three hours of sleep every night for far too long. Um, so that's what I think of. Fine. Okay. <laughs> well, I think mom is handling. Sorry, came out wrong. Um, well, mom is basically having two jobs right now. Since Jill and I are both homeschooled, she's both being our mom and a teacher. So, oh, and a third job, she's also my Girl Scout leader. So, mom's handling basically three jobs, which is too much. <laughs> And the fact that she puts so much effort to it is what makes her very special. Jill, your turn. So, very similar to what Claire said, she does a lot of sacrifices for us. And the story that comes to my mind was also last year, um, we were moving our grandmother, my mom's mom, into a retirement home. And that was a lot more work than it should have been we had to like sell her house and like move everything there and mom barely got like any sleep also dad but i think we should focus on mom right now <laughs> and yeah she just was working so hard and somehow she just was able to also focus on Claire and me individually even through all that which is just unbelievable, and through that I was thinking, wow, what a mom. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm very grateful. Okay, before I start, um, I just want to say that my mom is here today, so... So, Literally right there, so no pressure. <laughs> this is going to be even more meaningful to me. Okay, so my mom has shown me selfless love because of a very 
special event last year. Um, it was my birthday in 2017, and um, and we had a lot of fun that that day. Um, we went to the movies to see Lego Batman movie. We went to Five Guys right before then, and we just had a great time. Uh, however, on that night when I came home, uh, there was a surprise waiting for me in the living room that I didn't even notice. And when she when she walked me in there, I looked on the dining room table and I saw an Xbox One. And she, <laughs> I didn't even ask for it. And um, that was one of the greatest moments of my life. One of the, <laughs> I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding, I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I love you. And <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Hello. Um, my mom is here, and she's crying. <laughs> but um, my brother and I are really rowdy and crazy. We may be, like, quiet at church. <laughs> but... We're really extra, <laughs> and um, we also, like, have trouble focusing in class and stuff like that, and we're very, um, woo, and just the fact that my mom has to, like, deal with us and deal with, like, my father, who is the third child, she says, <laughs> and um, we're just... Just the fact that she, like, deals with us and deals with our attitudes and our struggles and um, that she still loves us unconditionally and that she will always be there for us at our many choir shows and my volleyball games and Alex's soccer games. And she was even there for Anthony when he was growing up. And it's just amazing what moms can do. Like, you guys are crazy like y'all are cool <laughs> you do so much for your child even though sometimes we're a lot but thank you for all that you do for us and for this world and mom thank you I love you a lot awesome. that was wonderful Okay, here we go. Yeah. You you can't not, right? I mean. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, so, um, ever since I was little, I've had ADHD. And it's always been a struggle for me in school. And my mom has spent countless hours helping me do my homework late at night. Or taking me to doctors or parent-teacher meetings when I get in trouble at school or when my grades are falling. But she's always been helping me through that. And even though life's been hard, my mom's always pushed through and she's always been helping me. Thank you. Yeah, back, back here, then I'll come to you, Charlie. This is my... You can stand there if you want. All right. 
I am a mom. <laughs> and I know the struggle is real. About six years ago, my husband disappeared. <laughs> Just left. And then I lost my job. And everything just fell apart. And my mom opened up a home for my daughter and I. We moved in. She gave up her office. She gave up her living room and her kitchen and her bathroom. I am not the nicest. And I am very difficult to live with. And the unselfishness that she shows me every day and she shows my daughter every day, is just unsurmountable. So that, that's why I'm here. This is her Mother's Day present. I don't go to Church of Christ. Um, I'm a Baptist. So this, I, and I don't speak in front of people ever. Um, and I just wanted to tell you, Mommy, that even though I fight with you and I leave my dirty clothes in the bathroom and my dishes in the sink and backpacks in the living room and everything else, I do appreciate you. And I do love you. Awesome. Thank you. No, I know we could we could go go all day, but I'll let Charlie be our, our final Ooh, one. Fancy. <laughs> um, so my mom, um, I really appreciate her, and she's given a lot. She's a doctor, so in a way, she's a pediatrician, so she's like a mother to a lot of children and stuff. But on top of that, I think the, one of the better things that she's given me is like like just her story and what she's done. The reason is she wanted to be a doctor, she was very sickly as a child in Jamaica. Um, and she realized that she really wanted to be in a position where she could help other people so that they didn't have to have a childhood like that. So she like came to the US and like studied to be a doctor even though she couldn't have to do that. And on top of that, she was raising like two weird kids, one me, um, and she, is, I don't know if you understand, as a doctor, she had her own practice, but like it doesn't stop at the end of the day. She has to be on call for all the other parents in the world, calling her, asking about fevers for their own kids. And she never even really had a real vacation, but one of the things that she did in our childhood that was very kind is that she has to go and do more education as a doctor in order to keep her license. Um, and she would always take those situations and those trips and try to turn it into a vacation for the rest of her family so wow we would go to like disney world she would sit in a classroom and she'd send us off with my dad and we would always be like having fun and complaining and she would come back we would come back and sit with her and like after the hotel room and she would listen about our days and like she would do that for us just because she wanted us to have fun but I think it's incredible that she, like, looking back on childhood, it's not just that one thing. It's that, that she's done all of this and has grown as a person and is really helping a lot of people um, as a woman. And it's really empowering for me now in the position to see someone grow up and do something like that. So I thank her for that, even though she's not here. 
happened in Florida, but wherever you are, Mom. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you all. Thank you all, and I, I, I hope that, that today and, and every day we get a chance to just tell, tell, our, tell our moms and those who are in our lives that show us this kind of love, how much we, we love and appreciate uh, them. I believe that uh, wherever we see self-sacrificing love, we see, we see God. We see the way that, that God loves for us and, and cares for us. So thank you to all the moms uh, in, in our church, and thank you to everyone for sharing a bit about your mom. I'll close by uh, reading the, the hymn Eric read for us earlier, but the hymn that uh, Paul writes, and some people believe that this was actually a, a hymn that they sang in the early church. Uh, as So Paul is saying, you know, you have some struggles and some difficulties, therefore live with this kind of reality. And then he's kind of saying maybe, and you all sing this, so you better remember what, what this uh, is like. And it's very, very beautiful. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So let's worship that God and Jesus uh, together and remember the examples that we all have of this.